Hello, podcast listeners, and welcome back to My Streaming Bubble, the podcast where I talk about the shows that I love with the people I tolerate. In today's bubble, I'm tolerating my bestie Jill once again, and we hunt for answers while we discuss season two of Mindhunter, the Netflix original series. And if you're a fan of true crime, you probably love this show. So join us in the bubble as we spill all the spoilers of this intriguing series. Thanks for listening, and keep streaming. Okay, I think we're about ready. Ah. All right, are you ready to get started? (laughs) All right, I'm going to try and do an intro and not sound like a total fucking weirdo. <clears throat> um, no promises. You do what you gotta do, girl. Alrighty. Hey guys, and thanks for um stopping by and checking out my streaming bubble. Uh it's a podcast where I talk about the shows that I love with the people I tolerate. Uh today I am tolerating my bestie, Jill. Um, say hi Jill. <laughs> hi Jill. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that was so good. Hi, guys. (laughs) Um, Today we are going to be talking about uh, Mindhunter Season 2. Great show, Netflix original series. Um, One of of my favorites. I love it, and I hate that I I hate waiting every two years for a new season. Has it been two years since Season 1? I think so, and then I think... um, I don't think they've announced a third season yet. They said that, but there's speculation that if there is a third season, it will be like another two years. Okay. So, boo. Yeah. But, um, what were your thoughts on season two? So they focus mostly on the Atlanta child murders. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I really liked season two. I, I liked. I mean, I liked season one as well. Season two was, I liked how they explored more of the killers and mm-hmm. the, the stories, and um, it just kind of expanded upon season one in that way, where you, you just get down into the nitty-gritty of the interviews and what mm-hmm. they're doing, and the behavioral analysis unit is, you know, expanding, and it, it was just kind of fun to see, like, how that how that happened, whether, mm-hmm. you know, they wrote it true to the actual story it seemed pretty close also getting to know some of the characters a little bit better the Mm -hmm. main characters getting to know more of their home life a little bit of their backstory i i enjoyed it i it sucked me in and (laughs) i think i watched the whole season in like a week which is that's pretty, pretty good pretty good for me yeah um yeah i thought it was really well done Props to Fincher and his crew for the writing and Absolutely. the filming. They did a really great job with this season. I think, um, yeah, I, I completely agree. I loved the season. I just kind of love that continuation of the interviews with the different killers and seeing how the they built the, you know, like analysis and everything and, mm-hmm. the you know, the term, coined the term serial killers. It's just, it's fascinating. And then also knowing that, the interviews themselves, a lot of that dialogue is actual transcripts from the original interviews. So it's it's so good and so like unsettling. And I think the casting that they've done for the killers has been very, very good as well. Um, like, you know, this year they had uh, Son of Sam 
Charles Manson. Oh, my God. The guy that played Charles Manson. Yeah, he was good. Oh, so creepy Mm -hmm. and spot on and just even how he – his mannerisms and how he talked – um, obviously I've never met Charles Manson, <laughs> what? unfortunately, <laughs> but, um, from things I've read and interviews and stuff like that, taking from like the actual Charles Manson and how this character developed or this actor developed the character and yeah, he did a really great job for, and it was only like a short snippet yeah. in comparison to the whole season of when he was in there, but he really just like stole that episode. I thought I, I would agree, and the way they even kind of built it up in the show too, where the character Gun that had replaced the original um, head of the BSU or whatever, he was like, you know, I'll, I can get you Manson, and then I'll get you Manson, and got you Manson, um, and then even kind of like Manson's intro, it's like he's just like this dark, look, kind of shadowy figure in the back walking up, and it was just. I think comparatively speaking to some of the other, you know, killers that they've interviewed, obviously Manson is. There was a build up to it. There was a build up to it. And even like with promoting the show, knowing that they would be interviewing Manson within the, the second season also was built up. And so you kind of felt that anticipation within the episode, too, because you're like, how how is this actor going to do? What's the portrayal going to be like? And it was like listening to the insane ramblings of Charles Manson. Mm-hmm. Very well done. Um, The other thing that I thought was really interesting with the interview with Charlie was at the end, um, Holden, Charlie asked him about his sunglasses Mm -hmm. and said, hey, man, I really like your sunglasses. And Holden had given him his sunglasses. And then he played it as if he snuck them Mm -hmm. off of Holden or stole them from Holden Mm -hmm. to get um, to maintain that respect within the prison. Mm hmm. Um, because, yeah, you like know, notoriety. And... Yeah. Prisoners talk and, you know, shit like that. And, you know, the rumor that Charlie stole an FBI agent sunglasses mm-hmm. when, you know, we know that he didn't. Yeah. And then he got put in the hole for it. Yeah. It just kind of maintained his reputation. Yeah. As this shifty, sneaky guy, even in being in prison. And and even like the willing, like what he's willing to put himself through to maintain that, that image and that you know maintain that kind of level of respect it's like yeah he knows that by claiming you know that he stole him off the fbi agent that's gonna get him time in solitary mm-hmm. he didn't fucking care right he's like dude you are he's a manipulator yeah. cuckoo pants so cuckoo, pa- <laughs> cuckoo pants manipulator <laughs> cuckoo pants manson <laughs> um another thing that i don't I really noticed within this season, um, I think more so than in the second or in the first season, is kind of like the timeline distortion. So, for me, it's it's never really clear cut how much time has passed. In this season, we got little bits and pieces because you know he's Holden's first kind of brought into the whole Atlanta child murders when there's been only seven victims. So we were able to kind of track the timeline based on unfortunately how many victims there are and by Mm -hmm. the end of the season um the one mother she's like it's been 20 months since my son went missing and kind of throughout the season it yeah it's like one minute they're they're in atlanta and then they're back in um virginia and you just get like the big block letters over like the scene to tell you things have shifted now Mm -hmm. 
and I almost found that a little in a sense like jarring like oh my god okay so now we're back in Kansas and we're getting a little bit of BTK and just kind of that bouncing around and thinking about it with the season I'm like I, I feel like that's like intentional to kind of put you in that a little bit in that mindset of what it's like to be traveling so much for the FBI like you know like like we saw Bill this season and having to balance his work and his family and flying back and forth from mm-hmm. Atlanta to Virginia twice a week and shit. Um, so I thought they did a really good job with that. Uh, I, in a way it, it kind of drove me nuts, but at the same time I was like, I get it. You know, it's kind of really putting us into probably what that's like. You're just one minute you're here and you're dealing with this insane shit. And then you got to fly back and talk about the insane shit. And whew, it's, it was well done. They put a lot of, they put a lot of stories and like, that point in history into such a short season where it really was like, cause the Atlanta child murder started in the late seventies into mm-hmm. the early eighties. And they put a lot of that stuff into, you know, what was it? Nine, 10 episodes, mm-hmm. something like that. Um, so yeah, yeah I understand too, like yeah. the, the losing of time and like not really knowing where they are in time. Mm-hmm. I understand what you mean. Um, the other thing I thought was interesting, speaking of time, is the little, um, like, the sh- at the beginning of each episode, maybe not all episodes, but they had that little snippet of um, uh, BTK. Yep. And what he was doing at that time, or, you know, it's, you know, a, it's Just a fictional he's... story, but kind of building building that up or kind of creating that storyline with him. Mm-hmm. Um, because that that was happening, you know, during the seventies, eighties, yeah. whatever. At that same time, yeah. And so it kind of it, it did it put me a little off too. Like, mm-hmm. how is that relating to the time that they're supposed to be at now? And mm-hmm. I like I like the little sprinklings of um, BTK throughout the seasons. Um, you know, in the first season. He's really kind of starting. He isn't known. He hasn't coined a name for himself. And, you know, he's not on, you know, police or FBI radar. Uh, by second season, he is. By second season, he's um, he's BTK. He's, you know, already kind of, is he are, like sending, yeah, the some of the sketches and his little um, picture thing that he drew to rep- that represents BTK. Mm-hmm. Um, his symbol. His symbol. Thank you. That's the word. Words are hard. <laughs> Words are hard. Um, I, I like it because I feel like it kind of shows that it, his his progression as as a killer, as a serial killer, also how it kind of works within this timeline of, you know, the, the FBI and the BSU and creating the profiles and, and building all of this because a couple of times throughout the season – Holden mentions that, you know, so far the profile that they've built, especially for um, the Atlanta child murder, they're like, it's it's these specific things. He's not going to be someone that is married and has maintained a life. We see that in BTK. Mm-hmm. We see that in Dennis Radar. Um, we see like the cooling off periods and in, in everything, too. So in a way, it's almost to kind of contradict that current um, profile that they that they had. You know, now we know 
serial killers can come in like any shape and form mm-hmm. and they could they can be just sneaky fuckers living in our communities and being that married. church going married with Head a of kid. The church council. Yep. As BGK was. Yep. So I I kind of looked at it more as like that contrast of this is the profile that they have. This is what they're certain of. Clearly it's still being worked on because we've got BTK over here doing his terrible things. So I've, I've kind of, I've kind of enjoyed like the, the little bits of BTK Mm -hmm. and him trying to, especially in this season, trying to like maybe lay low and, you know, stop for a little bit. He got caught by his wife and everything. And she's like, Here's books on deviant type behavior. Um, clearly, that didn't stick. Uh, but I've, yeah, it's fascinating. Yeah, it's fascinating because um, we're seeing what they're investigating and we're seeing like the people that they're catching. But it's mm-hmm. also reminding me that there's also there's other killers that are out there. Mm-hmm. And um, I read a statistic that. At least at, at at any time in at least the United States that there's 50 active serial killers. Mm-hmm. So it kind of it gives you a taste of that. Like yep. he's on their radar, but they have no idea. They've they're trying nothing. to they're trying to work this profile. They're trying yep. to make a profile, but they don't know. Yep. You know. Yeah, I liked I like that they threw that in there, and, and it kind of gives me hope that they'll address BDK in in the next season if there will be a next season. Mm -hmm. I hope there'll be a next season. It will be interesting to see in the overall run of the series, you know, what how far are we looking? You know, what 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 is the overall series timeline going to be? Um, are we going to how far into the 80s, 90s, mm-hmm. 2000s are we going to get? Are we going to see BTK being caught eventually? I mean, we know he does get caught. But it's um, not until 2005. Exactly. I mean, with these time distortions, time jumps and everything, who, who knows? We might or I could even see the series going maybe a couple more seasons, um, maybe ending in the 90s or something. Uh, and I don't know, and just kind of leaving that, you know, BTK bit. That unknown. Yeah, that unknown, mm-hmm. but also known. That that scary feeling that, you know, let's say the show does end sometime in the 90s timeline, and it ends with, like, maybe a shot of BTK being all fucking BTK and everything, and that unsettling feeling knowing that he's going to keep going for another decade or so mm-hmm. um, before he's caught. So it'll be... It's it's a good series. I hope it goes on maybe a couple more seasons, kind of depending what the stories they have to tell. Um, I liked ooh Bill Bill's family life story. What did you think of that? Um, the parallel with his, with his adopted son. Yep. Um, and then Nance. It made me with what? Uh, his wife Nance. Oh Nance. Yep. It made me sad. It made me sad for him um, when they found out that his you know his child his son was part of that that child killing mm-hmm. uh, because it, it there's it's nice when you go to work and you can come home and you don't have to take your work with you yep um, it's probably different for FBI pro- profilers yeah. I'm sure that that comes home with you but for him it was like that's also in his house now like yep. that is in his sa- like safety yep you know your home is your safety and uh not that the not that his son did the actual killing, but that he was involved in some way. It was just it 
it gave it made me so uneasy and mm-hmm. it made me feel feel for his his parents mm-hmm. i mean he's adopted so they don't know his bat his like the circumstances he came from mm-hmm. but uh Ugh, it's too close to home, man. Yeah. And I really felt for him. That was rough. It was, I felt, yeah, I felt so bad for Bill. I was actually a little, I got a little, like, upset because he didn't take the time off of work. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, with him and his job and how much he actually, like, cares, that I can, that would have been hard. This, the, the and what they're building is his baby yep. as well. Yep. And he didn't want to abandon his yep. baby, because it was the Atlanta fucking child murders yep. going on. It was a it was a big deal. It was a huge deal, but at the same time, it's, his other baby, his real baby, yep. is was, really struggling and regressing. And having, yeah. you know, yeah, it. I don't know if I agree with his decision either to keep working. Mm-hmm. Um, I think as a woman, I probably would not have continued working or tried to take some time off. Mm-hmm. Uh, to address like what was going on with my child. Yep. And and you yeah, could it was see hard it. to watch. Yeah, and you could see it within Bill, you know, anytime he was um on site working a case or, you know, even back at uh Quantico. Cause I remember there was one scene and they were kind of talking about, you know, these different killers and their childhoods and, you know, whatever traumas and terrible things that they did and, and then Bill just kind of being like, Yeah, but you know, that's not you know, doesn't have to be like that. Like it, you could tell he was kind of our like, you know, devil's advocate from a personal standpoint. Mm-hmm. For sure. And yeah, I just felt bad for him. I was really I was also kind of upset that like he wasn't more upfront with Holden as to what was going on. But at least he he told uh Carr the psychiatrist Mm -hmm. um dr carr about it so at least somebody fucking knew but at the same so he didn't have to just like carry that burden um but at the same time yeah i think i would have i think as hard as it would have been being involved in something that big um gaining that much uh attention and and respect and then actually being finally getting pulled into the atlanta child murders and trying to put their work into play that would have been hard that would have been hard to walk away from, but it's like, man, you got, you got a kid that's like seen some shit, been through some shit. You have a wife that's like struggling. You need to try and, I don't know. That's how I felt. I was like, dude, you need to, you need to take the goddamn week off and just figure some shit out and just kind of work be damned. Like your, your, your name will still be attached to everything. You know, mm-hmm. it's just maybe for a few weeks, you just took care of some family things. I don't know. It was, it was, but it was, it was hard to watch. I felt real bad for Bill. And then. Well, it's like a loss of control too. Like mm-hmm. he has a sense of a loss of control with his own family, with his own son. And the only thing he can control at this point is, you know, they're profiling and in their investigation into the Atlanta child murders. And that's the only thing that he has a sense of control of. He doesn't mm-hmm. know what to do at home there. Yeah. You know, his son's like unresponsive. That's a good point. Cause at least with work, he knows, you know, like interview these people set up perimeter, you know, he knows kind of the routine because, but it didn't seem like he was, you know, it's like when he was there in Atlanta, clearly he was elsewhere mentally. Mm-hmm. And, um, kind of going into, I guess, like the different theories as to who all else may have murdered these kids, if not just um, Wayne, whatever, Williams or whatever. Because um, Bill was very much like, 
no, it's the clan. Let's let's focus more on the clan. Whereas Holden's like, no, let's focus on my profile and the person that fits the profile. At first, it almost seemed like Bill was just like, you know what, clan, that's the quick, easy answer. Mm-hmm. Everyone seems to be on board with that. We can definitely find someone that would like fit that. So it seemed like Bill was definitely pushing more towards like the clan route. And at the at the time, it just seemed like, yeah, that was the quick, easy solution for them to be able to just like, you know what, let's find someone that fits it, pin it on them. Then Bill can go home and focus on his family. That was the, that was kind of the sense that I got. Uh, but after finishing the series and then kind of learning a little bit more as to the different theories surrounding the Atlanta child murders, I mean, when when the second season ended, I kind of felt like, I think maybe Wayne did kill some of them, but I don't think he killed all of them. And I'm kind of wondering if it wasn't something, maybe a little bit conspiracy clan and some of the good old clan boys on the force all Mm -hmm. kind of working together and seeing Wayne, Wayne killing these other kids as an opportunity to go and do their killing and just get away with it. And it would be kind of under this umbrella Mm -hmm. Of matching, you know, like the the similarities and the murders matching the other boys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I'm glad we got to the Atlanta child murders. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I I'm on the same boat as you. Like I I don't think that Wayne killed all of. I think it's 28, mm-hmm. at least 28 children, adolescents, and adults. Um, the two that he was convicted of, I firmly believe that he did kill them. Um, just based on the evidence, the fibers, mm-hmm. the um, dog hair, you mm-hmm. know, there's just, that's what they relied on back then. They didn't have DNA. Yep. Um, and then the behaviors, like they were, him and his father were burning stuff in the backyard and his father mm-hmm. was looking to buy plane tickets to go to South America, you know, like. Yep. His whole story, when, yeah, and his his whole story when he got picked up. Oh, I was scouting a prospective, you know, talent singer or whatever, mm-hmm. and the number was bunk, and it was just like, why the fuck are you doing that at like three o'clock in the morning? You right. know, just a lot of really shady things. Right. Um, it was definitely an interesting time in Atlanta, mm-hmm. and I th- there's got to be other people involved in yeah. the killings. Um, it was it. It's shocked. Like, I didn't know about all, like, the political stuff going on during that time. Oh, my God. And how they didn't, um, they wanted the FBI out of there after Mm -hmm. they found out that the perpetrator could have been, um, or according to their profile, was an African-American male. Mm -hmm. And they asked the FBI to leave. And, you know, it took so long for them to even, like, start piecing it together, even be serious about investigating it and starting, like, putting the the different murders together. Um, I had no idea, like, there was such a political under, like... Um, undercurrent mm-hmm. to the all the investigations yeah i didn't i didn't realize that i didn't it's know so that sad. either um and it was it was really frustrating to see that i'm glad they portrayed that i glad i was glad we got to see holden's frustration of having to work within that that bureaucracy and the red tape and everything um you know kind of yeah being called down initially like at one point and then yep Holden being like, nope, my profile says it's a black guy. And they're like, you got to go now. Yeah. And then being brought back 10 victims fucking later, mm-hmm. being as as more of like a, a PR kind of thing. And, like, oh, we fucked up. Yeah. Like, 
not not caring so much about doing the victims justice or finding the killer, but t- trying to rectify them, trying to blow it. Well, it was starting it to hurt the image of Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're worried about people not like businesses not coming in and people not coming, you know, tourism and things like that. Like they were more worried about the money making aspects mm-hmm. um, and how that would help their city after like the 18th killing. Yep. Versus, oh, there's a bunch of young African African American boys mm-hmm. like coming up dead. Mm-hmm. It's it's it angers me so much. There was a lot because you know between you know between the bullshit, the political bullshit, all the fucking red tape, clearly the racism. You know mm-hmm. when it was initially just like seven kids, um, and that you know not to say just seven kids, but when it was you know they the cops were looking at it as like missing persons, runaways, calling CPS instead of looking at it as like legitimate murders, mm-hmm. like legitimate cases and just trying to blow it off. So I like that they kind of um that they portrayed that especially early in the beginning. And then there was just like a couple of other things that happened that made me think that maybe there were a couple of people, a couple of guys on the police force kind of in on let's say these clan killings or, you know, clan being involved in, in killing the kids. Um, there was the one, first of all, they mentioned how on the local force, you know, can't really trust a lot of people on the local force because they were very clan heavy back in the day. Mm -hmm. You know, it sounded like they more or less recently cleared house as best they could, but kind of left it open that there may still be a couple of good old boys, um, still left on the force. One of them I felt was the guy that was supposed to help Holden get the flyers. Um, Cause that whole bullshit about like, Oh no, we can't do this without the proper forms. Kind of the same thing with like trying to obtain the crosses, just creating more red tape and more red tape to make it impossible. Yep. So when finally Holden was able to like get the, you know, get the flyers ready, the guy was like, Oh, it's too late. Yeah. You know, we're still like five days out, but we still have this and this and this to do. And then couldn't get the flyers done. That's a good point. Um, and then the guy, so after after they stopped Wayne and they saw, like, the gloves and the fibers and everything in the back seat, mm-hmm. when Holden told the one fucking cop, you know, log the evidence. Right. And then went off with Bill. I was like, I started screaming at the TV. I was like, you need to fucking hang around and make sure that noob does exactly what you fucking want him to because he's not going to do it. And sure as shit, he didn't fucking do it. And then nothing got logged. They let ended up, Wayne ended up being let go. And then the car was fucking spotless the next day. Right. And that was so infuriating to just see played out. I can't imagine what that would have been like what that's like in real life, you know? So kind of like those little incidences kind of, for me, fueled the the theory that it wasn't just Wayne, that there were other people taking it as an opportunity to... To do their own bidding. Yep. And... uh, To be their own terrible person or people's. Yeah. Because they talk about the two different buildings that they had seen some of the kids around. They never actually went in and investigated the buildings. There was, like, a scene where they're, like, across the street from, like, the red brick building. Mm-hmm. Fucking go walk around the goddamn thing. It's the 70s. Yeah. <laughs> like, and that's where the, the kids were hanging out. Like, at least a few of the kids yeah. were seen hanging out there. And then the other thing that kind of baffled me was all of the pictures of the, the young boys. Mm-hmm. Like, they found, like, 
boxes of them. The Polaroids, yep. Was this, whoever, wherever they found this or whoever these belonged to, was this person ever investigated? Like, what happened with that? That is a ginormous red flag. Mm -hmm. I know it's the 70s and people still beat their kids and, you know, child abuse and sexual abuse and shit like that was still swept under the rug. Mm -hmm. Rape. Yep. Um, but seriously, that's that's a lot. That's a that's lot. A that's a giant red flag. Are you guys living? How with big your is heads this fucking rug? Sand? Yeah. <laughs> I don't understand. I didn't understand that either. Yep. Like why that wasn't aggressively investigated. Because then, okay, so when they first found like the Polaroids, it was of like white kids. So they're like, oh, it's not even. These aren't even doesn't fit like the the, the demographic of, of the, mm -hmm. of the, the other known profile. victims. Yeah. And then by like the last episode, didn't they say that they found other Polaroids of um, like black children that clearly had been like hidden or something from the original hall of. So basically like Holden's kind of piecing it together that like original evidence was kind of fucked with to only provide white child the, victims yeah. and the other ones to throw them off and the. The the black pictures, from what I gather, the black pictures were not provided to mm -hmm. the FBI. Mm -hmm. um, they, I don't know. They were set aside. They were lost in mm -hmm. quotation marks. I don't know. Yeah, it's it was incredibly frustrating. Um, so yeah, between between the racism, the political PR, fucking bullshit, the bureaucracy, the red tape, and just kind of like that pissing contest of local versus federal and mm -hmm. you know it, uh, incredibly frustrating and i'm like y'all let 28 25 or you know 26 victims go without justice mm -hmm. you know we, we only got them for two and then just yeah i saw a thing too that um even now there's no no one charged in the other 25 deaths um, they I reopened think, the investigation. They though. did reopen the investigation. I had heard that. And then I think this year or like. I don't know if I recently. trust those guys. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, luckily I think the, the whole like chain of command and flow has completely shifted at this point. So because I think um, like the Atlanta mayor or someone, they just did like a, a memorial thing for the victims. Mm -hmm. Um, I think just this last year. Don't so. do a fucking memorial. Open the investigation and aggressively investigate this shit. And I wondered. I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm not curious. trying to be callous, but use your energy and your your resources and your budget oh. to do that versus a memorial. What's and, that going to do? And shit. Speaking, and speaking of, okay, so sorry, I'm that's getting our, a little <laughs> well, enraged. So <laughs> we don't know. I I don't know if there's any kind of new evidence. Any, I mean, they've got to have something to reopen the cases, right? Like, right? There's got to be something that they're like, okay, we have some sort of new evidence or new information. I think I, I don't I, know. Honestly, I think they're because. The, the Atlanta child murders are getting so much publicity and um, they're kind of, you know, they're more in the public view again. Mm -hmm. I think that's and there's probably a little bit of backlash in the families. And I think that's why they reopened them. I think well, the public is angry. I hope I hope that and they want something done. I hope by reopening it that they also that also means that they have something and not giving false hope to um victims families 
that, oh, they're reopening the event. Like, you know, like you can't just reopen investigation if you don't have anything to reopen. You know what I mean? Well, maybe I don't they, I don't know maybe the rules. They but. Had, maybe they took, you know, blood samples and things like that back maybe. then. And, and maybe now, now they gonna, can use DNA. The, the familiar profiling. DNA mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. Um, but g- going back to like misuse of like manpower. So within the se- within the season, you know, they talk about how much manpower is needed to run these, um, you know, to monitor the bridges and to oh, put sure. on like, you know, these parades and, and this and that, and they're running out of money and they can't fund this and do all these big extravagant ploys or whatever to try and bring the killer out. All I could think was like, all right, you know, you know where these victims are being picked up at parking lots, you know, these, these young kids that are working, whether mm-hmm. they're selling, um, you know, like air fresheners or themselves, you, you know, where they're being picked up from. Why can't you use some of your manpower? I, I know it's, it's, it sounds insane, but to like, to provide a heavier police presence within these parking lots to find something, maybe, maybe not go in, in a cop car, in a cop's uniform, something more plain clothes to try and monitor these. Mm. You're, they're going to spend all this other time and efforts and doing these other things, putting out these um, want ads for extra security to try and lure them out and then trying to field the that kind of job application process. It's like y'all could have sent a couple of you know, squad cars worth of police officers down to these parking lots, down to these parks. You know, they, at one point they showed the Wayne character standing on a fucking corner handing out the flyers. It's like, y'all could have been doing that and seen some shit like that and either talked to the person or just kind of kept an eye on him for a couple of days to see what transpires from this flyer handing out. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, you know, you guys talk about like all this manpower wasted or, you know, needed but I felt like they weren't, they didn't, they didn't utilize it appropriately. Yeah. It, and I know, I know what you mean and where you're coming from. My, my only thing to that is that they've never, they never had come across this before. So they didn't True. know what they were, they were fumbling in the yeah. dark. They were just trying to think of things that they thought maybe, maybe from previous investigations that they've tried and, and has worked, you know? Yeah. Good and point. It's, <laughs> you and your damn points. <laughs> well, I, it's, you know, who, I don't know. It, we clearly, the investigation and it was bumbled from day fucking, mm-hmm. from victim one, mm-hmm. day fucking one. So. No, absolutely. No. And that's, yeah, it's, that's a really it's tough good to point. say like what they were thinking and like their reasoning behind yeah. let's try hiring security people and see if we can flush this guy out. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah, that was kind of odd. Whatever. Um, they were they they were doing their best. They were working off of the information that they had in terms of building a profile. Um, but yeah. Um, real quick, I kind of wanted to talk about Doctor Carr. Um, oh sure, because I really like her character, and I don't, and I feel like she's not, she's not utilized as much. Um, in terms of you know her what she specializes in the psychiatry kind of of it her kind of analyzing the interviews um i liked that we got to see her and that other little agent smith um (laughs) yeah oh sweet baby angel smith he tried so hard but um really did but i mean so i'm glad we got to see them go out in interviews and a little bit more of her personal life but she kind of felt like maybe Gunn wasn't utilizing her to her fullest potential. And I feel like the show is 
in a, in the same way doing that doing that to her. I don't I feel like she could be doing more. Um I do like seeing a little bit of her personal life um having been out in her previous field but now with what she's doing trying to be more separated so she's a little more closeted but slowly coming out of that. Her relationship with the with the bartender was kind of fun and sad mm-hmm. at the end. Mm-hmm. I was very disappointed in Dr. Carr that she didn't see the reason why um, the bartender had to put on a fake voice and a happy voice and kind of lie a little bit to the ex-husband. And, you know, it's like I was, I was disappointed that Carr didn't see that and, and fully understand that. So I guess I'm not I'd like to see more of her of her character, her storyline, both professional and personal. But this season, I just kind of felt like, what are we what are we doing here with her? Yeah, I I kind of had the same feeling. I like that they did go into her personal life a little bit and mm-hmm. it was it was interesting to see cuz of the time cuz it was, you know, the late 70s early 80s how LGB, you know, that whole community mm-hmm. was still like you still had to be closeted. You mm-hmm. still could not be who you truly were. Mm-hmm. Um it's sad, yeah. but you know, it it portrayed, like, at that time, at that point in history, like, what it really was like to be a lesbian female. Mm-hmm. A lesbian female? <laughs> <laughs> I was going to let it go. <laughs> and I was like, no, no. A lesbian. Well, <laughs> or, yeah. Um, and how you couldn't necessarily just be out there and be yep. who you were. It, it seemed like they wanted to put her in a... When the new director of the behavioral um unit came on he like he had his plans for holden and bill yeah he knew what he wanted them to do i don't think he exactly knew what her role was and so he put her in a box yeah he put her in a box and he didn't like let anything with it yeah I mean, she was more than willing to go out on interviews. Yep. And- I felt like she would have been extremely helpful down in Atlanta. And for him, for Gunn not to send her with Holden and Bill was a gigantic fucking mistake. They're, especially like, you know, Gunn wanting Bill to kind of watch Holden and rein him in, but not knowing what Bill's going through. But she knows what Bill's going through. Right. To, so Bill could have advocated a bit more to be like, look, since I've got flying back every weekend she could have maybe stepped in yep when bill was gone or bill was out yep um and just as being like a, a middleman between yeah. them two for like communication wise because absolutely you know but she's not you know she's mm-hmm. not fbi right she's a yep. psychiatrist that they brought in as like more of a um what's the word i'm looking for uh consulting yep and then didn't Gunn do, I think it was Gunn, where they were at, like, the big fancy party or something, Bill oh, and her showed up. Yeah. Like, didn't he, I like, go... Their, I love their Bill and her relationship, mm-hmm. too. It's almost too. like a little bit of a father-daughter, but they're equals. Yes. Like, they both can confide in each other, yes. and it's there's nothing sexual about nope. it. And I love that. And they oh, respect yeah. each other. I just, I like the relationship a lot. I also um, Speaking like, of the party, because yes. that's where I was like, I really just, I like their relationship and how they treat each other. Mm-hmm. And like the way they kind of just, they're, they're a little back and forth about, you know, like showing up to the party. Because, you know, there was tensions at first, and I think there was like tensions in the first season. So it was good to see them kind of get over that and then be more on, like you said, like um, more equals. I also like... uh Speaking of relationships, I also like Bill and Holden's relationship. They clearly have 
a certain level of respect. You know, they clearly have respect for each other on a on a professional level. You know, Bill, even in the first season, as much as he's kind of like, ah, I don't know about all this, like, touchy-feely head stuff, he still went all in. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He might have had his personal reservations, but that didn't stop him from going into these interviews and doing his job. And... So I feel like on that level, him and Holden get along very well and have a lot of respect. But then during kind of that montage of the stakeouts of the bridges and seeing them all like Bill and um, Jim Barney, the Atlanta FBI guy and Holden all just fucking with each other as they're like trying to sleep and stay awake. awake. (laughs) (laughs) It it felt it, it feels again like I like a family like brotherly like brotherly Mm -hmm. like i i love you and i respect you but i'll punch anyone that talks shit about you and only i get to fuck with you kind of a kind of a feel to it um but again disappointed that bill wasn't completely honest with holden and i understood the scene where holden kind of explodes at bill about like i'm i have a partner here the only part time that has Mm -hmm. to be briefed every time he comes in i felt that that was completely warranted even though holden didn't know what the fuck was going on how could he that's I thought his reaction was appropriate, and then Bill lashed out, and I was like, "Oh, you guys don't fight because <laughs> <laughs> they're so good together. Try to find the murderer and stop fighting. <laughs> stop fighting. Just get along. Oh my god. Let's see. Oh, you were gonna say something about the party, like with um gun. Oh yeah, there was like like a a, a scene where she's talking to gun. I think maybe trying to elevate her role in everything or something. But he did, like, the super gross thing of, like, went and, like, unbuttoned a button of hers or, like, oh, a zipper or something. Oh, that creepy guy. Was it, or was it the creepy guy that she did an, S, an excellent job of SSDGMing from? Um, hey, yeah. But someone at that party did, like went to go like undo a button or a zipper of hers and she's like yeah uh uh-huh and kind of just was like no i don't play that game yeah it was just also again kind of showing the sexism and of the yeah of the 70s -hmm. and then again how she isn't taken seriously as Mm -hmm. um a psychiatrist and she just is there to look pretty and show some boobs and talk to this fucking creeper dude yeah that would totally roofie somebody ugh he was so gross. So no, I thought she handled herself very well. She did. She's classy. She is classy. I wouldn't have held myself. I wouldn't have. I wouldn't would have, have held pun- myself. Would you have punched? <laughs> would you have punched in kicks? I may have punched him. I, I may have gone full on Bobby Hill and been like, I don't know you. That's my purse. <laughs> I probably would have kicked and ran, kicked him in the shins. So yeah, overall, second season, loved it. Uh, I love that they didn't just kind of open and close it on Wayne Williams, that they did. Oh, they did so many. Uh, they did. They did. Ones a, that I didn't even know about. Oh, I know. So, okay. So I got, you know, I, I had to <laughs> <laughs> cut that. So after I, you know, started it, I shared it with you. I started, I created a, a playlist, a Spotify playlist, my favorite mind hunter and tried to pull together Primarily my favorite murder episodes um, dealing where they talked about the different killers from the two seasons. Uh, They don't cover all of them. So I pulled from different episodes. And so just kind of going through and listening to those and finding out, learning more about them. It's just, I mean, I love it. And it's fascinating because it's all the 
serial killer true crime stuff that I'm that I love and I'm fascinated by but at the same time because it's terrible serial killers it's so unsettling you're just like god damn it I didn't need to know about another child killer I didn't need to know about this other terrible thing but it's so good (laughs) it's interesting it's very interesting and I've always been fascinated definitely more on like the psychological level of these serial killers so like you know the BSU is just right up my fucking alley like I, I don't know that I could sit there and talk to killers and do as good a job as Holden um, or the real detective John Douglas does in terms of going with that flow. Good night, Mom. Good night, Lily. Pause for good nights. Bye. <laughs> I don't remember what I was saying before all of that. Um, uh, we were talking about all the different, the serial killer, the killers that they introduced this season and did interviews with. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked it. <laughs> yes. And how, you know, how interesting it is and fascinating, but definitely unsettling. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, it, it's, it, it was just cool to see like the actors portraying the serial killers and getting their stories like with the son, son of Sam and, mm-hmm. um, how the, he made a bunch of that shit up. And how he just confessed right then and there. And he's just like, I made yeah. it all up that a dog was talking to me. So yep. I, you um, know, whatever. So I went out and killed a bunch of people. Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, that was fascinating. Um, Kind of going. Okay. So with. Okay. So I just have to say, and maybe this is, this is probably just me, but I almost this season felt like they kind of made Kemper. Oh, they didn't use him enough. See, and I felt like maybe they were... Oh, and I agree that they didn't use him enough. And there were times where I was just like, what would Kemper say? (laughs) Cameron Cameron Britton does such an excellent job of portraying that creepy motherfucker. And I think that... So there was times where I'm like, I almost feel like Kemper's like lovable. And I don't know if that's just because of... I think it, oh God, I, for the love of God, I hope it's just because of um, Cameron Brighton. He does such a great job. And I, and I watched him in Umbrella Academy um, and he was amazing in that. And it was, and that's just such a good fun show. And I loved his character in that. And and at first I didn't know if I could see him as anything but Kemper because he did done such a good job as Kemper, but nope. So when I saw him again, I was like, there's Cameron Brighton. He's such a good actor, and I love him so much. And, oh, yeah, Kemper, Kemper did audiobooks. Ooh, flowers in the Attic. Why that one? God, that's like the <laughs> worst, worst ever. One. That book is so disturbing and creepy just reading it oh my without God. a voice. And I never read the book. Head. I only watched the movie, and I was like, that movie is no good. <laughs> It's it's just it's on a whole le- different level it's of weird okay. and fucked up. Yeah, I would agree. But yeah, I felt like yeah, I felt like they didn't quote unquote use Kemper enough since they you know within the series they were like he was his their first interview. Kemper being as intelligent and kind of like self aware of his intelligence and terrible things, it felt like he he. He did was help a them though. Resource. He did help them, like with like kind about of BTK and... about going back to the sites, yep. you know, and kind of reliving and mm-hmm. possibly masturbating. Yeah, because um, now we know that that is that, an extremely and that contributed. Common thing. Well, and it contributed to them doing the stakeouts, doing the stakeouts, and um, stopping in the like when they did the march, mm-hmm. stopping in the places. Yep. Uh, at least a few of the places of the most recent victims. Yep. Um, 
like where they were found. Mm-hmm. So, and thanks, was- Ed Kemper. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you need a reminder as to how terrible Ed Kemper is, my favorite murder, Karen, does a very good job of just going through the terrible shit that he does. It's my favorite murder episode number 39, kind of loco. Um, I think he's the second, I, I think the second story. Doesn't matter. Very good, because then, yeah, Karen kind of goes through, like, all the early stuff, killing his grandparents, his mom, and everything, and just kind of making that leap. And you're just like, yes, that's right. He is a terrible, disgusting, vile fucking human being. Mm-hmm. Thank you for the reminder, because apparently I just love Cameron Brighton. I don't know. <laughs> and now he reads books on, on tape. Oh, my Lord. I, I do have to admit, <laughs> I am... My morbid Are you curiosity. I am very intrigued. Are you intrigued? I'm not going to do. I, I can't do it, man. I think I, I can't fucking do it. It's hard enough. I mean, I'll, I'll watch or like listen to the interviews, like the actual interviews with the killers and stuff. And that can be really hard, too. Um, but that's them talking about the terrible things that they've done. I don't know that I could. I guess I'd try it. If I found a good audio book. Not Flowers in the Attic. <laughs> Is there like a manual <laughs> on like old beta tapes or something he could read to me? A manual. <laughs> <laughs> I use a beta, a beta VCR. <laughs> any, any, um, anything you'd like to see in a possible third season? Ooh. Ah. Uh, so, you know, that is a really good question. Um. I hope they still kind of play out the BTK, the little vignettes at the beginning, mm-hmm. just little snippets. Um, you know, Jeffrey Dahmer, he yeah. he was caught in the 90s. Um, I know that's kind of a jump because now they're in the early 80s right now. But, but seeing they, but, they kind of jumped from where they were in the first season. Yep. So it's possible. Um, oh, gosh. I don't know. That's a good question. And I think because, you know, since season three as of today has not been, like, confirmed or anything. So we don't even know if we're getting a third season. It's rumored, but it's not confirmed, right? I I believe so. I think at this point for them not to do at least one more season would be dumb. So, yeah, nothing's confirmed. So really, and and the wide wide net we have of serial killers, um, and they could do a time jump. So we could go from being in the 80s, we could time jump into the 90s. And get a whole new mess of fucking serial killers for them to interview or to hunt. So, yeah, it would just, I guess it would just kind of depend what um, what timeline we're looking at, what point in time we're, they're going to focus on and, mm-hmm. and follow. But I, I hope we get, like I said, I hope we get at least two more seasons. I feel like they could easily do two more seasons. There's a lot of material out there. There's a lot of material. <laughs> um, between Pacific Northwest and uh, Wisconsin <laughs> and, um, you know, Florida. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there are like billions and billions and billions of fucking true crime podcasts and FBI files and mm-hmm. um, there's plenty out there, plenty to choose from. So they have their pick. Uh, I just I'm I'm excited and I hope they um, continue on the story. I did have to say real quick um, that the story of so within Bill's timeline and the, and everything that happened with Brian, um, where was it? It's 
loosely based on, or at least possibly loosely based on a murder that actually happened with some kids. Two boys, two brothers, very young, like seven and ten, I think, or, you know, ten and twelve or some shit like that. Mm-hmm. Um, accidentally murdered, accidentally killed a 20-month-old. And it was, I think, the younger brother's idea to um, tie the baby to a cross in hopes of resurrecting the child. Oh, Jesus. Um, I, I just, I saw, I found a quick little thing on that um, when I, through Google or Wikipedia one day, and I thought that was really fascinating. I don't know whatever happened to the kids, um, the two boys. So it would be interesting to see if possibly any continuation of that storyline, you know, and how, how Bill handles whatever goes on with Brian, um, wherever the fuck Nance went to. Um, oh, and then did you see that, that kind of whole last scene of Bill coming home to an empty house of, mm-hmm. was loosely based on his real life experience? His dad was... No. I think his dad was like a cop or a firefighter or something like that. He was down at the local... Or no, celebrity. Sorry. Was down at some local celebrity watering hole. Some people came in and they're just like, hey, heard about your wife leaving you. And the actor who plays Bill, um, Holt something, he was just the dad. His actual dad was like, what the fuck? That's how they found out his mom took off. So whose mom took off? The um, Bill, the, the actor who plays Bill, Holt something or another. His real life mom took off. Just up and left. Oh shit! Um, and his real life dad found out about it while at the bar. At the bar. Ah, oh, because I think both of his parents were actors at the time, and so through kind of that TMZ celebrity gossip, you know, of the day, they're just like, ah, oh, you know, Frank or whatever the dude's name was, like, oh, you're your so wife. So I wonder out. if he knew, like, he knew that was coming in the in the script in the script like you know what i mean yeah. like oh man this or, is like stranger than fiction yeah kind of thing like this actually happened to me i, I mean i know or did they you know yeah i don't know how they if it was like incorporated into it or if he for him to pull that scene off he kind of just because the thing that i read was that he he pulled inspiration or you know like he pulled from that childhood of growing up and he's like you know and he's like oh, i've had 40 years of hearing my dad tell that story about how oh you know he only knew when these things happen or something along those lines so um figure yeah maybe 40 years of dad griping about it is what he used to kind of portray those feelings and God, for, for that scene yeah i thought that was that was crazy the i circle. didn't i didn't yeah i didn't see her actually up and leaving like moving out of the house mm-hmm. like i I saw them more like um, separation. Like sure. she was maybe going to leave with the kid, and mm-hmm. she clearly like I detached don't know, and like gave the fuck up. You know, she wasn't making breakfast. She wasn't cleaning the house. Um, she was chain smoking and chain smoking like a motherfucker. I was a little disappointed that she didn't allow the mom of the dead child to speak to Brian, or at least give Brian the chance. So maybe want to speak to her to be like, you know, for that mom to be like, I, I forgive you. I think maybe Brian would have benefited from hearing those words Possibly, and maybe, yeah. um, but you know, seventies, eighties, God forbid a parent admit any kind of flaw, flaw in their, in their <laughs> home and their, or their child where they could have to confront that. So 
The fact that she didn't, I was like, yes. Classic that time. <laughs> Classic that time. <laughs> the time we grew up in. <laughs> feelings, no feelings. <laughs> well adjusted. We're, we're well adjusted humans. Yep. <laughs> so, but I think that's about all I have to say on the show. Well, I mean, I know I can go on and on, but my bladder's full uh, and my drink is empty. Tell me so about it. I know. That's why I started a podcast so I could talk forever. But <laughs> we'll um we'll figure out what our next binge is. I'm almost done with the boys. I got two episodes left. I'm done. Mm, I know you. It's would. so good. Oh my god, that show is fucking crazy. I really like it though. I like that um the Starlight chick is from Iowa. It's like represent. I know the right? dreams. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I loved that too. Um yeah, so I guess that's gonna be it for for today's episode, Mindhunter season two. Thanks again for listening and check us out. Tell your friends, you know, do stuff or not, whatever. I don't care. I do care. She really cares. I do. I care she cares so much. I care a lot. <laughs> um <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, thanks guys. Bye. Bye.